You have a choice, Connor. That is something more precious than you'll ever know. What choice? They're hunting us like animals. Because you're acting like one. As a vampire, I killed without mercy or remorse because I didn't have a soul. What's your excuse? You think I want to do this? Then don't. I have to. Why? Because she told you? There are things happening, Connor. Things that I can't... It has to be your choice. You can stop this. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here with episode 11 of season 6, Tougher Than the Rest. Or book 10, Momageddon 2, Son of Momageddon, chapter 1. Okay, so I'm kind of split on this episode because on one hand, oh boy, we have an August subplot. Isn't that Whoa. what it, Yeah. Isn't that what everyone was waiting for? An August subplot? Yeah, weren't you wondering what was going on with August? And not even main universe August. Yeah, an alternate universe August who doesn't even matter. Although, let's talk about how much alternate universe people matter and whether or not Regina should feel bad for how callously she killed alternate universe Charmings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... But on the other hand, this may have the worst subplot ever, but it introduces a very late-in-the-game best character in the show, Fat Old Drunk Hook. Fat Old Drunk Hook. I love Fat Old Drunk Hook. He's the best. I'm so sad that he gets repackaged into regular Hook in the postscript season, but we're not here to talk about that yet. So, as a reminder, what happened last episode... The evil queen created a wish verse to trap Emma in, and Regina followed her into it. They got stuck there because they encountered wish verse Robin Hood, who is dead as hell in the main universe. Yes, poor Regina could not bring herself to jump through the portal while she was looking at Robin's face, even though it was wish verse Robin, and the portal closed without them. This entire episode is a problem that could have been solved by Emma just grabbing Regina's arm and jumping through the portal. Yep. You know, a lot of problems on this show are caused by people just not jumping through the portals they should jump through. Also, it it turns out the hooded figure Emma's been seeing killing her in the future turns out to be Gideon, so... Sure, why not? Rumple and Belle's son, who got super-aged in the fairy world. He got Connored. Yes. Or basically every soap opera baby ever. Hmm. Or every comic book baby ever. You could feasibly say he got cabled. You know, writers just really don't want to write about babies. Nope. Hell, even Valeria Richards had an adult self running around when, hell, before she was a baby. That's weird. It is weird. She dressed like a girl version of Doctor Doom. And she went by the name Marvel Girl. Well, that's just just derivative. Yeah, Rachel Summers should have sued. You know, adult Chris was running around in Charmed before baby Chris showed up, too. Yeah, it's just a thing. Yeah. So, the episode proper opens with a flashback to baby Emma 
being homeless in Minneapolis. On the streets. So we know that Emma was in foster care for basically her whole life. And now we're seeing a moment in 1990 when she was, I guess, between foster homes. She ran away from a home that was bad and is living on the street. Keep in mind the foster home that she was in as a baby was in Boston. It seems odd that she ended up in Minneapolis. I don't know. They, I, I have nothing. They're not keeping track of where Emma was as a kid. Yeah. I I feel like there's not a lot of bouncing in between states when it comes to... No, it seems like foster homes are run by the state, so there wouldn't be a lot of interstate movement happening. Maybe she was living with a... I mean, I'm being very generous by creating a backstory that makes sense, but maybe she was with a foster home in Boston and that family moved to Minneapolis and then she ended up in Minneapolis and then she ended up in their foster care system that doesn't seem likely i don't know max maybe, maybe I don't know. she just takes those dollar buses whenever she runs away the bolt bus or the version of the bolt bus that goes i mean i i yes the bolt bus but they have a different name too where it's a, it's a dollar and it'll take you oh oh yeah maybe she ran to minneapolis from boston okay all right Okay. Baby Emma's resourceful. Yeah. Also, you used to be able to take buses across the country for a dollar. So, uh, speaking of baby Emma being resourceful, Mm. she is burning a book of fairy tales to keep warm in the Minneapolis winter night. Okay, let's talk about burning books to keep warm. All right. So, there is a certain subset of people who fetishize the physical objects of books, despite the fact that with the advent of mass printing, that is a ridiculous thing to do. Is this a Marie Kondo thing? I mean, it's a little bit of Marie Kondo thing, but it's also like a, a person who is as yet unknown to us is going to show up in a minute and scold her for burning a book to keep warm. Like, her life is not more important than this mass book of which millions of copies were certainly printed. I remember seeing this thing, this guy hollowed out uh, a copy of one of the Harry Potter books and put an engagement ring in it for his girlfriend. Uh Uh-huh. Because it was her favorite book. And there were all these comments saying, you know, oh my, I would say no right off the bat and how dare he. And I love the Harry Potter books, but they printed billions of them. Um, For my first wedding, my bouquet was made out of pages from a Harry Potter book. There's nothing wrong with that. They're not in limited supply. I will say, though... That a major problem is that the reason he hollowed out the book was so that he could give her the ring with the chapter heading The Unbreakable Vow, which is a Snape-based chapter. And so you should definitely say no, just because of his lack of reading comprehension or understanding of what makes a good relationship. I was going to say, you don't know what her feelings on Snape were, though. I mean, The Unbreakable Vow is the thing that leads to Snape being forced to kill Dumbledore. I don't want to kink shame anyone here, but that's not romantic. So anyway, Emma is burning, uh, baby Emma is burning a book to keep warm when a boy stops her because he massively does not understand the moral of the ugly duckling. Right. Emma is burning a book of fairy tales and she's about to burn the ugly duckling. And he's like, no, that's a great story. It's about a duck who wanted to be a swan so much that she transformed into one. And Baby Emma's like, okay, 
granted i'm like four but i'm fairly certain that's not what the ugly duckling's about and the boy's like uh death of the author motherfucker that's what i think it's about so that what uh, so that's what it's about so i am of the readerly school of literary criticism i do believe in death of the author but you still have to read the text. Death of the author means all that exists is the text. It doesn't mean that you can ignore what it says. The Duck Queen was a swan the whole time. I mean, there's no... It's not up... That part's not up for interpretation. The real moral of the ugly duckling is... Know your place. Oh, I was going to say you may be unattractive now, but when you grow up, you may be able to kill people with the vet, with the swipe of your powerful wings swans will fuck you up they are mean strong birds like you know how big their wingspan is you know how powerful their wings need to be to hold them aloft like swans will take your ass out that's an accurate statement so the guy gives the speech about how maybe her last foster home sucked but who knows, maybe her next foster home will be good and she shouldn't give up and burn this book. And so then we cut to Emma at a police station turning herself in and saying, you know, hi, I'm a foster kid who ran away from my foster home. Please help. And when the officer taking her statement asks for her name, she gives it as Emma Swan. Also, uh, the foster person has given her what we're assuming is a thing of hot chocolate with cinnamon. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it, it's a thing of hot chocolate with whipped cream and some brown stuff. I'm assuming a cinnamon on top of it. Oh my god, I can't believe I missed that. Speaking it's, of not being able to read the text, Jesus. Is, in all fairness, it's a really subtle touch, which is a good thing. I do like when the show goes into the subtle things, but... Okay, so now I'm going to, like, deep dive here because you called this person the foster person, even though she's in a police station, which is why I called her an officer, but she is wearing a pink sweater set, which is not something you associate with the police. And given that she gives Emma the hot chocolate with cinnamon and that Emma was sent to this police station by an unknown boy who will be revealed to be August, Hmm. um... Do you think this person is more than she seems as well? I think that they could have played that up if they had wanted to. Okay. Okay, so since I mentioned that this person who we don't know is going to turn out to be August, Mm -hmm. can we just mention briefly and then move on how much that doesn't work with what we know about August's history so far? You mean the fact that he ran away from Emma so he could go, you know, join a drunken boy gang and then somehow end up, you know, on Phuket? Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island. I'm sure the people of Phuket are not thrilled with that descriptor of the place that they live. But... Yeah, I know. I know. Um, Yeah, and this idea that he was always in the background guiding her is antithetical to the story we already know about August, which is that he abandoned her until he himself began to turn to wood and realized that he had to save his own skin. Literally had to save his own skin. Mm-hmm. Mm. Throwing that out there and then moving on because there's nothing we can do about it. So the opening credit thing is a tree. We're going to assume an enchanted tree. Yes, yes. Because the enchanted tree is back for this one episode. Even though, again, again, in season one, there was only one enchanted tree and they already chopped it down. But apparently there is 
There is another. Well, no, because the Dark Curse never went off in this reality, so they never needed to cut it down to build the... They did still cut it down, they just didn't need to use it. Alternate Universe August says that he dismantled the wardrobe that Geppetto built. Oh. Yeah, I don't know then. Although, again, it's called the Enchanted Forest, all the trees should be enchanted. Or at least enough of the trees should be enchanted to justify the name Enchanted Forest. It's just a name, you know, like Monster Island. It's actually a peninsula. (laughs) That is, to this day, an incredibly solid joke. Of course. But this isn't Welcome to Springfield. So, in the show that we do talk about... In the show we do talk about, Robin Hood is still in the middle of robbing Regina and Emma long enough for the portal to close. For some reason, they decide to hand over their jewelry. It's not real, who cares? Regina's jewelry is real. Okay, but it's like, Regina doesn't care about her jewelry. It's not like any of it's magic. It would just be, I don't get why they're letting him take their stuff. It would be so easy to get out of this situation. It's not like they're handing over their jewelry because they're afraid that he'll kill them. They're just trying to get out of the situation without attacking him because, you know, Regina loves him and Emma's not about to light blast Regina's boyfriend in the face. Things would get very awkward very quickly. You can teleport. Speaking of, uh, Henry and his white knights come riding up, which sends uh, Robin Hood scampering. And Regina and Emma hide behind a log until Henry and his white knights move on. Y'all can teleport. Both of you. Both of you can teleport. Well, I don't think they wanted to... Yeah, I know. I know. But you know what? Forgetting that you can teleport is very on brand for this show. It's true. So as soon as Henry and his knights ride past... Regina starts freaking out because although everyone else in this universe has aged, Robin hasn't. Well, that's because the evil queen created this wish verse, which means that somewhere in her heart of hearts, subconsciously when she created it, she created it to be the world that she wished for, which included wishing for Robin. Yeah. I mean, that's my theory. Fair. Also, I mean... It doesn't need to be super consistent. It, honest to God, Granny is still around the same age. So it's an alternate universe that it's an alternate universe that was created by Aladdin. It doesn't have to be historically accurate. It kind of seems like Mary, Margaret, and David are the only people who aged. Honestly, the fact that it's so detailed when it was created by Aladdin genie is the thing that should make you suspicious, not the inconsistency of people's age. <laughs> So, Emma looks at the log that they were hiding behind and suddenly gets an idea. See, that's why they needed to hide behind the log, so that she could have her house moment. Mm. Back in the real world, David and Hook are doing reconnaissance because they just saw the hooded figure appear at the end of last episode. And they want to find out who it is and take it out before Emma gets back so that Emma doesn't have to die at his hand, on his sword. Specifically, David wants to throw the guy in jail. Oh my god, David. Which? What? And Hook points out, look, this guy came into town, turned the evil queen into a snake, and then just wandered off. Like, let's- Which, by the way, the fact that he showed up and turned the evil queen into the snake lets David do a whole monologue about how the guy appearing at all is his fault because he wished- he made a genie wish that the evil queen would get what she deserved. So now he thinks that the reason the hooded figure showed up is because of his wish. And somehow, look, a charming is managing to make it all about him. Shocker. 
But as Hook points out, it's not all about David, and David really doesn't have the ability to affect the situation, like, at all. Right. I mean, the two people who could really get things done, other than Henry, who could absolutely just take care of all of this, are in an alternate universe right now. Yeah. There is one person who could still probably take care of this, and that's who we cut to. Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin and Belle are talking to Gideon about his shitty-ass childhood being raised by the Black Fairy. And it's clear that Gideon had a shitty-ass childhood where the Black Fairy was abusive in order to get him to toughen up and be strong, which is also what Rumpel's childhood was. This is a late addition to Rumpel's backstory, by the way. Well, I actually feel like this is, I mean... Yes, they talk about this later in the episode, but I for, I also feel like they're playing off the Evil Queen's interactions with Henry. When... Oh, interesting, because the Evil Queen still loves Henry and wants to bring him over to the dark side. She had conversations with Zelina about how she should have raised him evil and how Zelina needs to raise Robin to be evil. Well, specifically, yes, that definitely I'm just saying reoccurring themes this season. But the bits where uh, the evil queen's talking to Henry about times she pushed him as a child to get him to work past, like when he was afraid of seagulls, so she took him to the beach and threw seagulls at him until he wasn't afraid of them anymore. Yeah, there are a lot of repeating mother-child motifs this season. Honestly, it's really well done. Yeah, and of course that goes back to Cora's relationship with Regina. Yeah. Okay, wait. So, repeating motif or this show just doesn't like mothers? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I guess it could be both. What are the... Well, the the two things this show has. Mothers are evil. Fathers abandon their children. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, one of the only good parent-child relationships... Like, okay, so the good parent-child relationships that we see are the Charmings with Emma... Who they abandoned. Yes. And Emma with Henry. Who she... I mean, she gave him up for adoption. She wanted to give him his best chance. But she wasn't there when he was growing up either. Yeah. Honestly, even Regina and Henry, who have a good relationship now, you could make the argument that Regina was more evil queen than Regina when Henry was growing up, which means Regina wasn't there either. Mm. Well, she was there, but she was there and abusive. Remember. Oh, I meant like... I know I'm talking about Regina and the Evil Queen like they're two separate people, even uh, though that's a ridiculous conceit this season. But, you know, Regina, as she is now, wasn't there. True. So Gideon tells Belle and Rumple The his, stupidest thing ever! His plan and why he came to town. So bad. See, the Black Fairy abused him his whole life trying to make him evil, but it didn't work. He's good and he wants to defeat the Black Fairy. But... The only way to do that is to become the savior, and the only way to become the savior is to kill the current savior. That's not how that works! And for some reason, the rest of this season isn't just a bunch of people shouting at Gideon, that's not how that works. Like, everyone just goes along with it. Like, now that he's said it, it's true. This isn't the movie The Santa Claus. Or, to a lesser degree, The Incarnations of Immortality. Or, to a lesser, lesser extent, The Slayer. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't become the Slayer by killing the Slayer. Yes, but there's only one girl in all the world. You can't have the Slayer power while the Slayer still lives. Mm. 
Wow, was there ever a story about a potential Slayer who killed Slayers in an attempt to get the power? You know, that would have been a good basis for one of the Buffy books. Right. And I know that, and I know I haven't read all the books, and I know that there are, like, tales of the Slayers books that are about previous Slayers. Yeah, I don't know. The books explored some things which I think really should have come up in the show. One of the bad guys in the books was a vampire slayer who got turned, and I was like, how did the show never do that? Right? Yeah. So much so much potential, but I guess that's why we have fan fiction and novelizations. Which are just official fan fiction. Exactly! So, yeah. Gideon is going to kill Emma and become the savior so that he can defeat the Black Fairy. And Rumpel's like, son... That is a stupid-ass plan. But not stupid because it's not how saviors work. Stupid because you're not going to be able to kill Emma. Yeah. Stupid because the savior is harder to kill than you might think. And, I mean, credit to Robert Carlyle. I don't know if this is credit to to Robert Carlyle, because he looks so bored and angry during this scene. Yeah, I don't think he's acting. He's just like, really? Really? Fine. And Gideon's like, I don't care what you say, Dad. I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill the savior, and then I'm gonna be super popular, and girls will wanna kiss my face. Uh, uh, uh. Bamf. Yeah, he does the magical equivalent of stomping off, off to his room, which is teleporting away. No one understands me. Oh my god, he is Connor Angel. He is Connor Angel. Or to a lesser degree, Chris. No, no. He's definitely Connor Angel. You don't get me, Dad. So, back in the wish verse, Regina and Emma come across a settlement, and Emma says that she will go ahead and talk to the people since they all think Regina's still the evil queen. And she immediately comes across alternate universe August, who is so happy to see her because everyone thought that Princess Emma had been kidnapped. Which, I mean, is not inaccurate per se. No, no, Princess Emma was at no point kidnapped. She went to Regina's castle to save her parents. By surrendering. Yes. Got her memory back and then left with Regina. At no point was she teleported or taken anywhere against her will. True. God, Princess Emma was really bad at leading a country. Yeah. I'm going to go see I'm gonna go see this evil queen to surrender all by myself with no contingency plans. Oh, I just had a weird thought. Mm Mm-hmm. Because David and Mary Margaret were still, like, I mean, they were old, but they were still in good health, as far as we could see. And the evil queen was gone, so it wasn't like they thought they were going to be stabbed and killed or anything. There was probably never any thought that Emma was going to take over the kingdom. Probably would have gone straight to Henry. The plan was probably for the kingdom to go straight to Henry. Wow. That's a little regressive, Mary Margaret. Yeah, right? I mean, who would have thought that Princess Snow White would be regressive? Mm. So, Emma goes into this settlement to talk to August. And presumably she told him what was going on because we cut to inside of his workshop with him and Emma and Regina is now there. Yeah, we cut to Emma having already given all the exposition and August says, well... I wanted to be a real boy, and it took someone believing in me for that to happen, so I believe your story about this all being a fictional universe created by a wish. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Basically, what he's saying is, I am a puppet that was turned into a real boy, so I don't know why you think I wouldn't believe you're from an alternate universe. Hmm. 
So Emma's here to try to get one of those universe hopping cabinets that uh, Geppetto had made for her parents at the beginning of the show. But as I said earlier, August tells her that after the threat of the dark curse was gone, he dismantled the wardrobe. And I guess he can't just remantle it. Yeah. I mean, did he use the wood for other stuff? Yeah, I guess he must have. So now there's like magic wood floating around like someone has like an axe handle that's made out of magic wood actually that would probably be really useful never mind complaint retracted so he tells regina he's like uh sorry it kind of reminded me of darker times and she's like oh no i mean i get it the world became a much better place after i was gone setting up her subplot for this episode oh poor regina she did murder a lot of people yeah i guess but august tells emma the good news which is that There is another enchanted tree, apparently, and he has his father's magic tools so he can take another magic tree and turn it into a new magic wardrobe. Okay, so this is just a thing for this episode that suddenly you need special magic tools to cut down a magic tree. Well, I mean, you don't. They're like, it's like Dumbo's feather. It turns out he doesn't need them. The power was in him the whole time. So this is just a stupid constraint. For no reason. There's no reason he should believe you need magic tools to work on a... Well, it's about him not believing in himself so that, you know, Emma can believe in him the way he believed in her when she was a homeless child in Minneapolis and then he can turn into a swan because apparently the story of the ugly duckling is about a duck turning into a swan. I have so many problems with the conceit of this subplot. Like, just, just... Right off the bat, there's so many different circumstances this needs to go through so that an alternate version of August, who apparently has problems believing in himself, can believe in himself. I know, especially because I know it's a whole alternate universe, but from what we saw of real world August, having confidence in himself was not his issue. He had a lot of confidence. He was, in fact, a confidence man. Oh, look at that. Look at you. So Emma and August look up from their self-involved subplot and realize that Regina has, like, flat out left. She wrote a very long note and walked out the door without them noticing. Uh, To start her own self-involved subplot. Yes, and the note is like, um, you and Pinocchio handle your deal. I have to go deal with my own self-doubt. So a lot of this episode kind of relies on Regina forgetting that she does have the ability to shapeshift. I know, that was really bothering me. Because she has a lot of her issues throughout this episode arise from the fact that she's wandering around looking like the evil queen. And she could just not. I mean. I I know, I know. But I guess it's just something we have to accept this episode so that we can get through it. So she's going to talk to alternate Robin Hood to see if he's better off without her. Basically, the whole world is better without her. She's having her reverse. It's a wonderful life moment here. And so she needs to see if Robin is better off without her the way everyone else is. And look, I know this is kind of like a depression thing where she's like, look how much happier everyone is without me. But yeah, Regina, look how much happier the people are when you haven't placed an evil curse on them. This is not a fair test these people aren't happier without regina they're happier not having an evil queen try to destroy their happiness go figure i mean i don't i don't want to say it's not you because it is but 
Like people are happier when there's not a woman trying to set them on, trying and succeeding to set them on fire with her mind. I'm just saying this isn't a properly controlled experiment. So she goes to the same bar where she didn't meet Robin Hood all of those years ago when Tinkerbell brought her to her one true love. And we get a flashback with Tinkerbell to remind us of- Yeah, this bothered me. The show didn't trust us to remember that Tinkerbell had brought her to this tavern before. But okay, I guess I guess other people aren't obsessively talking about every episode as they go along. Yeah, so we get the whole scene where Tinkerbell's like, look in there, see the guy with the with the lion tattoo- Bone him, bone your sadness out of you, Regina, and then you won't be evil anymore. Yeah, basically. So Regina enters the bar and literally everyone immediately recognizes her and flees. Okay. How good is Snow's propaganda machine that everyone recognizes her on site? Like Dressed in modern clothes. Dressed in modern clothes 30 years after the last time she'd been seen. When they're not expecting to see her. Yeah. Like, whatever it's done, let's move on. Yeah. When you see Clark Kent, you don't assume he's Superman. You think, huh, that guy looks kind of like Superman. Yeah. Or, I I suppose, in the context of this universe, if you saw someone who looked like Hitler, you wouldn't think that that person was Hitler. You would think, huh, that guy should probably wear his uh, facial hair a little bit differently. You know, in the especially if to make the analogy, you know, proper for this show, it was now the year 2019 and you saw a guy in his 40s who kind of looked like Hitler. Yeah. And a guy in his 40s who didn't have any of Hitler's signature face stuff. Cause... Right, because Regina's not wearing her signature evil queen outfit. Yeah. So you just saw a guy who kind of in the face looked like Hitler. Yeah. You probably think, actually, honest to God, you probably wouldn't think anything yeah, I mean, if you notice the resemblance, you'd probably just think, oh, that's unfortunate. Mm. But. Yeah. But no, everyone sees her and immediately flees, except Robin, who's like, hey, so uh, you're the evil queen, huh? Guess you probably want that jewelry back. And Regina's like, I don't give a shit about that. Is your life good? Are you happy? He's like, I guess I'm happy. I, I live in the woods and I only get hookworms sometimes and. You know, my life's okay. It's fine. I'm happy enough. Except he doesn't say he's happy enough. He just says that his life is good. He's completely unfazed, by the way, by the evil queen just sitting down and being like, are you happy? Are you, are you living your best life, Robin Hood? Well, which he, he clarifies, he's not Robin Hood. He's Robin of Loxley. Yes, you're right. Although that doesn't come till later. Yes. In fact, what happens right now is that Robin and Regina are interrupted by the Sheriff of Nottingham barging in, slapping a magic-restricting cuff on Regina, not that it matters since apparently she's forgotten all of her useful spells, and arresting Robin Hood. Also Regina. Yes, of course. That's why he slapped the cuff on her. Which, Regina waits to try to fireball him until after he's like, you're both under arrest, and then she tries to fireball the Sheriff of Nottingham. Why did she let him put the cuff on her in the first place? It took so much time. I think it's obvious that Regina is very mentally discombobulated by seeing Robin Hood in the first place. And so we should forgive all of the bad decisions she makes throughout this episode. But who gives a shit about that? Because Emma and August are at the new magic tree and August removes a special chisel from his tool belt 
a mystical chisel that is the only thing that can chisel magic wood. Right, because you can only use magic tools on magic wood. Although, I'm not a woodsman, but he's going to chop down a tree with a chisel? Seems weird. Seems inefficient. So, August has the speechy speech about how he's not as good as his dad, and his dad talked about how a craftsman needs to have a special relationship with his tools for them to work correctly, and then Emma looks at her magic sword. And then August is like, oh, hey, you're Princess Emma, aren't you? Princess Emma doesn't do sword fighting, she does tea and fancy dresses. And Emma's like, yeah, that sounds stupid. In my world, I'm a savior, and I save people from stuff, and I'm always, you know saving people and he's like wow and they pay you for that and she's like "Mm." not really they pay me in prophecies of my untimely death yeah yeah it's it's not great nope nope they should form some sort of savior union but who gives a shit about any of that because someone puts a sword to august's throat and it's fat old drunk hook yep yep it is fat old drunk hook I love you, fat old drunk Hook. Hook has gone to seed without Emma. Although, honest to God, it it doesn't... He's not wearing a fat suit so much as he's wearing one of those fake maternity bellies. Yeah, no, it's, he's not like... he He's not fat suit fat. He's, uh... Fake. He's got a beer gut. Well... <laughs> but it... Yeah, you're, like you said, it's like they stuffed a pillow in his shirt to be a beer gut. He looks like... Julia Louis-Dreyfus when she's faking being pregnant in Arrested Development. Yeah, he kind of does. Oh, I love fat old drunk Hook. Also, he is old because while Robin has not aged, Hook has. You know what? This wish verse works best when you remember that this is all from the head of the Evil Queen, which means that the Evil Queen at some point actively was like, well, time has passed, and yet the love of my life is still young and virile. And also, Hook's, like, old and sad. The love of Emma's life is old and fat and drunk and smells bad. I mean, he's a pirate. He probably smells bad now. Well, he finally got a second outfit. He was wearing the leather bad guy pirate thing for about three seasons, so it couldn't have smelled great. Right? Oof. Back in the real world, Connor slash Gideon is sitting on a log and sulking when... Rumpel comes to find him. And Gideon's like, if you're trying to talk me off my dark path, then you can't. And Rumpel's like, no, see, I have bad experiences with trying to get sons to do things that they don't want to do. So I'm going to lend you a hand. But dad, I'm dark now. Haven't you seen my dark cloak and my dark haircut? His hair is less awful in this episode than it was last episode because he's pushing the bangs up. I feel like the actor had to know how terrible it was and was just trying to move it around when the director wasn't looking. Like, it's not bad if he just put product in it and see, it's up and it's better. It's not all the way up, but it's better than when it was like acolyte monk hair. Yeah. You just, he just needs a little product. A little product would solve a lot of his issues. Well, I mean, he's got these terrible, weird short bangs. That's going to be a issue no matter what but yes you're right product could fix it a little bit so rumple's like look i just need you to get all of your negative emotions towards me out of your system so we can work together in the future i need you to hit me hit me hit me and then he starts slapping him yeah this whole thing is so uh, uncomfortable honestly yeah and rumple's like look because 
Gideon can't manage to hit him, and Rumble's like, look, if you can't hit me, you're not going to be able to kill the savior. So just, if you need any help learning how to be a better man, or alternatively a worse man, come talk to me, and I'll help you out. And then Connor teleports, storms to it. Gideon. And then Gideon teleport storms off to his room, and we get to go back to the Wishverse and Hook. So, fat old drunk Hook has assumed that August has kidnapped Princess Emma. Well, remember, word is out that Princess Emma has been kidnapped. Henry sent out word to the kingdom that she needed to be saved. So it's not a total leap on his part, even though they're clearly, like, hanging out together and talking, and Emma is armed with a sword. And and August is armed with a chisel. So August basically immediately knocks Hook's sword out of his hand, takes it, and he's like, okay, what are you going to do now? And Emma's like, wait, don't hurt him. He's my boyfriend. August slowly turns his head towards her, and he cocks it to one side, and it's just the best thing ever. And Hook looks shocked, too. Fat old drunk Hook looks shocked, too. But he takes advantage of August's distractedness to grab the chisel and he's like back off or I'm gonna get you with whatever this thing is oh and then Emma is just like okay I need to put a stop to this so she light blasts Hook and then teleports him away but sadly and is like okay when I get home Hook and I are having a talk about not drinking so much and maybe cutting back on dessert. Which, which like, I don't like that. I don't like that fat shaming. I don't like the fat shaming either. Also, I mean, cutting back on the rum would probably help him keep trim anyway. It's yeah. mostly sugar. Also, Emma, clearly the problem is that he was alone and sad. So I think if you don't want Hook to get old, fat, and drunk, which I don't know why. He's so much more charming than regular Hook. But the answer is just to go home and bone him. Yeah, I love old, fat, drunk Hook. Right? Out of the two of them, I'd prefer him to be the main hook, he said, shooting himself in the foot for the sequel series. Although he gets magic plastic surgery to look like regular hook. Oh my god, okay, I kind of can't wait to talk about that. I know that's not true, I but... I mean, it's not untrue. No, I mean, I know, I mean, it's not true that I can't wait to talk about it. Oh yeah, because that season. It's just not... The episodes we watched just weren't sharp and interesting in the way that the regular series is but okay we'll get to that later like it wasn't bad it was just kind of boring exactly exactly so unfortunately when emma light magic blasted old fat drunk hook she accidentally broke the chisel although the magic chisel the magic chisel although it may it mostly just looks like the metal part fell out of the wood part yeah she just needs the very simple spell mend objects but Oh, I guess mend objects doesn't necessarily work on magic things. But then the chisel isn't really magic. But then I guess that's the lesson we need to learn. Or she could alternatively just stick the metal part back in the wood part. Well, it doesn't just stay there. You have to attach it somehow. She doesn't have, like, magic glue or anything. I mean, there's a slot. You just stick it in the slot. Well, I think that the metal part that lives inside the slot is is sheared. I think it's sheared off. Then just make a new handle for it. Okay. Is is the metal part magic or is the wood part magic? Okay, so if you have an axe and you break the head of an axe and then you have to replace it, and then later you break the handle and you replace the handle. You have a whole new axe. Is it the same axe or it's, is it a new axe? It is a new axe. You're so certain. You're so certain it's the same axe. 
That's because philosophy is bullshit. And I'm so certain it's a different X. So it looks like Emma's boned because now August can't chisel the tree down. In another part of the wish wish verse, Regina and Robin are being thrown into a person carrying cart. Yes. To be taken off to Nottingham jail or something. And Robin is so mad at Regina for getting him caught. And it's like, dude, it's not her fault that you didn't run when the evil queen showed up. Did you not think the police were going to come when the evil queen showed up? Alternatively, you could have run when the police showed up. You just stood there and let them arrest you. It's not on her at all. Yeah, right? So this is the part where Regina's like, but you're Robin Hood. And he's like, no, I'm Robin of Loxley. She's like, but you steal from the rich and give to the poor. And he's like, no, I steal from the rich and give to myself. And she's like, and that makes you happy? And he's like, uh, and she's like, no, no, it's your dead wife, isn't it? When she died and no one else was willing to bone you, it made your heart sad. I don't get why this is the part where history diverged from him, for him. Yeah, because the real Robin Hood didn't get together with Regina until years and years after he had become Robin Hood. And theoretically, Roland doesn't exist in this world, because I guess Roland was what kept him going after Marion died. Wait, wait. So if the evil queen didn't cast the dark curse, Marion died at a different time in history. None of this works. Yeah, literally none of this works. Unless, okay, wait, I'm going to like float an idea out here. Mm -hmm. When the evil queen was creating this wish verse and was subconsciously thinking about how she wanted things to be, she thought about a Robin whose wife did not die at her hands, thus making their relationship a little bit complicated, but rather where the Marion who existed in this universe just died young before she married Robin of some natural thing that wasn't her fault. Well, I was thinking theoretically she could have died when she was pregnant, you know, and like in this universe, maybe Robin couldn't get the magic wand from Rumpel. He tried to steal from Rumpel to save her life. Okay. I mean, that could happen too. I, I, I do think the more direct thing is the evil queen envisioned a world where Robin Hood was free to fall in love with her. But in that world, he didn't become the man that she fell in love with because he didn't have Marion pushing him to be a good man. Hmm. Boy, there's a lot of emotional labor put on women here. Oh, here? Here there's a lot of emotional labor put on women? Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Uh, and Regina becomes Admiral Themestater when she's like, oh, I get it. Without Marion, you never had the drive to become good. Because like with Rumple, you need a woman to make you not a bad person. Speaking of... Uh, Rumple shows up and he rescues them from the cage. Oh, we were speaking of Rumple. I thought we were speaking of the unreasonable emotional labor women are expected to perform. Eh, half a dozen of one, six of the other. Huh. Yes, as you say, Rumple does show up and rescue, rescue in quotation marks, Regina and Robin. Ben Regina's like, oh, thank you. I, I knew you'd come rescue me. And he's like, uh, before you thank me, I just went looking for Belle, you know, so I could get some resolution on my ongoing subplot. And guess what I found? And he dumps out a bag of bones onto the ground in front of Regina. And she's like, oh. Okay, a couple things. 
one. These bones are picked clean. These are clean bones. So this isn't a person who starved to death after being forgotten in a tower. I mean, they are supposed to be, but it, they want it to be clean, I guess. But more importantly, did Charming and Snow White not know that Belle was there? Because... Like, she was basically locked up in Regina's attic, and we know they moved into Regina's old house after. Like, did they not try to save the people Regina had locked up? That is such a fucked up story, too. Like, she's locked up by the evil queen. The evil queen is defeated, but nobody knows she's locked in there, so she just dies alone. That's so messed up, I can't even deal with it. Also, Rumple pouring out the bag of bones is both very dark and extremely hilarious. Yeah. Energy is like, you know it wasn't me, right? Like, I'm not the one who locked up your belt. And he's like, yeah, but you look like her. And honest to God, I just need a punching bag and you're convenient. So I'm going to take you to my place and I'm going to skin you alive. And I'm also going to skin him alive because you know what? Why not? Why not? So seriously, that's such a weirdly dark turn for this episode to take. It really is. Oh, it's diluted a bit because we go from that to David and the sleeping body of Mary Margaret. Okay, I really, this part makes me so angry. He's not willing to wake up Snow White because he wants to fix everything before he does. He wants to get Emma back from the Wishverse and kill Gideon, who he still doesn't know who it is, but kill the hooded figure before he wakes up Snow White and... Dude, do you not think she might have some good ideas or plans about what to do? Or at least better than yours. Also, I'm very uncomfortable with the fact that you're just going to keep her unconscious. Did you not have some sort of agreement or at least understanding that you would be awake for a day and then she would be awake for a day just to, like, make things fair? Uh, I'm just so not okay with it. I'm very, very not okay with it. So, Belle enters the charm apartment to fill everyone in on the exposition. He, she comes in in a very cute pinstripe suit. Yes, it's like, it's the perfect sexy librarian outfit, honestly. She's like, look, the hooded figure you guys are talking about, he's my son. He grew up in a fairy realm and now he wants to kill Emma. And I need you guys to do me a solid and not murder him. Like, David, I know how much you like murdering people, but if you could just not murder my son it would be such a big favor and the best part is that hook's like no like if he's gonna kill emma we're gonna get him first that's that's how this is gonna go down and bell's like you could not though like you could stop him without murdering him like that that is an option on the table right bell's like are you not all about reforming people except apparently when it's inconvenient can you not just let me reform him first. This is such a weird thing because David's like, no, you know what? We'll we'll hold off a little bit, but... I mean, I'm David not... does say he'll give her a chance to try to reform him. She says He says, I'll give you a shot, but if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to kill him. Which, didn't he just have a conversation with Hook last episode where he realized, hey, maybe the fact that I immediately go to murder all the time isn't the best solution to my problems. You know, David's going through a lot of shit and murdering people are his, and murdering people is his comfort zone, so. Murdering people is his blankie. Exactly. Exactly. Mur murder blankie. Back in the Wishverse, Rumple is locking Robin and Regina up in a cell. And 
Regina starts banging on the door. She doesn't think to have Robin remove the magic inhibiting cuff, which has been a thing we've seen with all magic inhibiting cuffs up to this point. Okay, sometimes you can just take them off, and sometimes you need some sort of enchanted thing to take them off. So, like, Hook could take it off with his heart-ripping Hook, but not, like, with his hand. Mm. She could pull Zelina and just have uh, Robin cut off her hand and then reattach it once it falls off. You know, these cuffs are really inconsistent about how you can take them off and how much they inhibit you. Mm. But at least now that they're locked in a cell, we can have some exposition where Robin processes the fact that there's an alternate universe version of him who dated the evil queen. Yeah. Although, to be fair, he basically just rolls with this. She's, he's like, so we're dating in the universe you're from? And she's like, so you just believe the alternate universe thing? And he's like, I mean, yeah, there's magic and shit everywhere. There's really not a good reason for me not to believe in alternate universes. But then she has to tell him that they are not dating in the alternate universe, that he's dead in the alternate universe. Wah, wah. Yeah, sad for him. But Robin's like, okay, but before he died, he had a pretty good life. And Regina's like, eh. <laughs> A lot of bad stuff happened to him, but he seemed happy in between that bad stuff. Like, he he had friends and family that he loved, and he only, you know... I mean, I don't want to get too into the family thing, because then I have to talk about Selena, and I don't really think that would be... Yeah, that that doesn't add to the portrait of the good life that alternate universe Robin led. And Robin's like, okay, so I get it. He had a good life, but it was short, and I've had a shitty life that's longer. And Regina's like... Uh, Regina's like, is this the lesson I'm supposed to learn? But Robin's like, okay, well, if he had a short life that was good and I had a bad life that was long, I, I'm i owed a lot more life here, so I'm just going to pick this lock so we can leave. Yep. And then they do. Meanwhile, Emma's trying to use the remaining parts of the chisel to knock down the magic tree. It's not working for some reason. It's not working for some reason, but then she finds... A box with Emma's name on it in the toolbox. It's a box with boxes within boxes. Boxes within boxes. I mean, it's a carved wooden box, and inside of the carved wooden box is a carved wooden swan. And I mean, the implication is that August had made that in his shop, and that that's why it was sitting in the tool chest. Yes. Uh, that he made both the wooden box and the wooden swan. And... He talks about, like, when she asks him about it, he's like, oh, you remember how it was Princess Emma's birthday in, uh, when you first got to the wish first? I had made this for Princess Emma's birthday. And... And I- Emma's like, wait, but why a swan? How did you know that in an alternate universe I used the name swan as a, as my last name? And he's like, I didn't. I just really like swans, and also swans are, you know, a bird associated with female royalty, but... Mm. No, he doesn't say that, though. He says, actually, it's from my favorite fairy tale. And she's like, the ugly duckling. And he's like, oh, how did you know? It's, it's the one with swans in it. I guess it's, uh, I guess she could have gone the swan princess, but. Well, maybe in this universe, because fairy tales are real, the fairy tale of the ugly duckling is not well known. Mm. So Wish First August has the same really bad interpretation of what the ugly duckling is about as the boy under the bridge back in Minneapolis, which causes Emma to realize that back then that was August. <gasps> ah. 
I mean, it's true. It is it's true. It's unlikely but... that two different people would have such an incorrect reading of what the Ugly Duckling is about. But then that helps Emma realize, because he says, he's like, it ties into this thing my dad told me about how you can change your fate if you believe really hard. And she's like, well, how about if you fucking believe that you can chisel down that damn tree and get me out of here? Also, she looks at the sword and, you know, because blah, blah, blah. Oh, if if I believe that I'm not going to die, then I probably won't. Well, I mean, the truth is she won't die because she's charming, but. But yes. So August believes in himself enough to chisel white magic into the tree. And. And then we cut away so that we don't have to watch the laborious process of using a chisel alone to turn the tree into a wardrobe. We Well, we cut off on the worst line ever, because as soon as he chisels into it, he turns to Emma and he says, it looks like the swan is flying home. What a bad line. People were paid to write that line. And you can see the light die in Jennifer Morrison's eyes a little bit as she smiles through it. <laughs> like she's standing there smiling and he says that line and you just see a little dimming. She's like, oh, God. I'm showing up for three episodes next season, and then that's it. Yeah, basically. We go from there immediately to August's shop where he is putting the finishing touches on the wardrobe. And Regina shows up because, you know, it's time to get the fuck out of here. She shows up with Robin, and Robin's like, that's how you're getting home? A stump? And August says, a magic stump. And Robin's like, "Mm." but like, dude, you just said that you believed in alternate universes because magic is real and everywhere in this world. So maybe he just believed that it should be cooler. Well, I mean, he's new. He hasn't been watching the show. He doesn't know better. So Robin and Regina say their goodbyes and he gives her his lucky feather the feather that Zelina lost earlier that Roland gave to Zelina to give to Regina. Boy, that's a <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. A lot of a lot of a lot of backstory with this one freaking feather, but there you have it. So Regina's like, look, I sort of think that maybe you have like my dead boyfriend's soul. So it, it makes me happy that he, a little bit of him survives in you, and I was like, just bring him. Like, it's not like his life's so great here. Just bring him over. Okay, wait, I have to stop you here because mm-hmm. you said that he might have dead Robin's soul. And this is important, okay? It's okay that we killed Snow White and Prince Charming because they were just artificial creations. But since real Robin is dead, his soul is in this one, so this one is real. Even though, don't worry about it, that Snow and David were totally fake. But also, this version of August is real enough for you to be invested in his subplot. Okay, well, let's be fair. Real August isn't real enough for me to be invested in his subplots, but anyway. Also. 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 That old drunk hook is real enough for us to be invested in him when he becomes a main character next Hell season. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Well, I mean, spoilers for how the evil queen plot is resolved. They send her to the wishverse, and then we're supposed to care about, like, every character, so... So yeah, Regina just killed two very real people. But they were old, so it's fine. I mean, Regina killed a lot of people, and it's two more. Robin Hood's totally cool with 
living in this new world, because, again, there are a lot of people looking to kill him now, including the Dark One for some reason. I guess because he was hanging out with Regina, so the Dark One's like, I might as well kill you. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I think I went off on what was real and what was not um, before you got a chance to say, yeah, they're bringing Wish Robin with them. Why not? Why not? So they're not sure that he can successfully come over. Like, they think that his molecules might get all rearranged into nothingness. He might uh, he might die in the same way that guy, uh, Captain Kirk, tried to teleport died. Oh, yeah. Horrifying. But, Horrifyingly. Yes. So. He turned inside out. Luckily, and then he exploded. So... Emma and Regina pop over immediately, and they're like, oh, I guess Wish First Robin had come over. Too bad. So sad. But then he does. Yeah, like, just give it a second. Oh my god. Just give it, like, 30 seconds before you decide it didn't work. Because as soon as they, as soon as the two of them give up, he bursts through the tree. It, it is a drama tree. It, it senses the exact moment when the drama is at its peak to bring people over. Yes. Because... Emma comes over immediately, Regina falls a few seconds later, the tree waits for Emma and Regina to give up before sending Robin over. Right, it lets Regina turn away and look up at the sky with tears prettily in her eyes before it lets Robin through. Uh, Also, I guess the stump can send through as many people as it wants, but the wardrobe was limited to two. Well, because that tree only had a little bit of magic, and I guess this tree just had an infinite amount of magic? So, Regina almost invokes the name of her favorite podcast yes she says i'd like to officially welcome you to storybrook so close just a little off the mark almost there so emma's walking down the street feeling pretty good about herself when suddenly wait a second nighttime street in storybrook holding a sword seems kind of familiar yeah she gets the future visions of fighting gideon even though i have to say that the outfit she's wearing is distinctively not the outfit she's wearing in her future visions, so I would think she would know everything was okay, but eh. she, it's not. Here's Gideon. So Also, also, just stopping here for a minute. She came through the wardrobe wearing the same outfit that she wore when she was sent to the Wishverse. I really feel like she should still be wearing the white ermine cloak that Princess Emma was wearing, but that's just me. Nope, she bamfed herself into a kind of cool, generic fantasy or urban fantasy action heroine outfit. Well, like I said, it's the same outfit that she was wearing when she was sent to the Wishverse. Hmm. So Gideon's like, hello, savior, I'm here to kill you. And then I'm going to be the, you know, savior. And she's like, what? Does what? It, does it work like that? I don't think it works like that, Gideon. And he's like, shut up. You're not my real mom. And then they have a little sword fight where he manages to knock the sword out of her hand, and now he has two, and she has zero swords. Yes, and instead of doing the honorable thing and giving her one of the swords, he just makes it cease to exist, so that now he has the magic sword. Mm. Okay, wait, but you said you're not my real mom, which is accurate, but can we just pause for a second? How is Gideon related to Emma? All right, so Gideon is Emma's brother-in-law. Wait, how does that work? Because he's Neil's brother. and she... Oh, right! He's Neil's brother! Okay, okay, yeah, brother-in-law. I mean, she was never married to Neil, but... No, no, you're right. Yeah, that works for me. Okay. Yeah, Gideon is Emma's brother-in-law. Huh. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, moving on. Uncle to her son. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So he now has the only sword and everyone conveniently runs up to witness this. And I was like, get back. You guys can't affect the plot positively in any way. Also, please stop forming the tableau of my vision. The one where I die. Gideon doesn't want them interfering, but he also doesn't want them leaving. So he casts a spell that just freezes them in place. Hmm. And then Emma's hand starts shaking the way it did in her vision and also in reality when she had the visions. Gideon is milking this, by the way. He's like, are you ready to die, Savior? And she's like, I'm fated to die and I will die. But not today, motherfucker. And just magic blasts him in the face. What do we say to the god of death? Not Not today. today. So she magic blasts him back and then, which... The magic blast shatters the sword. Okay, so now the sword that was going to kill her in the vision is gone. Okay. She picks a piece of the sword and holds it to Gideon's throat, and Rumple breaks the uh, stasis spell long enough to be like, don't kill him, he's my son. And Gideon literally says, I don't need your help, Dad, and then teleports off. Honestly, it's kind of awesome when you describe it like that. (laughs) I also want to talk about a different awesome thing. Which is a thing that we talk about in relation to this show, the difference between fantasy violence and real world violence. And I feel like they come together here with a magical sword that is shattered, Emma grabbing a piece of it and literally using it as like a homemade shiv. I I think it's a nice marriage of fantasy violence and real world gritty violence that this show does. Yeah. And now that Gideon is gone and the dam- and the danger is temporarily paused, everyone notices that dead Robin is back. And Emma fat shames alternate hook to oh, Hook's face. Oh, I didn't think face. she was fat shaming him. I thought she was drunk shaming him. You, yeah, I think you're right. She, the- she tells him, she tells him, we're going to switch to water now. Yeah, because everyone's like, what the fuck? What, what, is Robin not dead? And Regina's like, we went to an alternate reality and I grabbed him. And Hook's like, so there were copies of us? What, what, what was my copy like? And Emma's like, we're going to switch to water. To which Hook hilariously responds, for drinking? Because remember, <laughs> he's a pirate, right? And also a functional alcoholic. Well, yes, but I was thinking more like, in whiskey there is life, in wine there is wisdom, in water there is bacteria. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Emma visits Storybrooke's version of August. Who's an adult now? I miss when that happened. I miss So I missed when that happened. Did they just not turn him back from being an adult when the three you know, when they we had the three witches subplot and they turned him back into uh an adult so that they could get information on the author? Oh, is that how that happened? Remember they did the stupid torture thing where his nose grew? Right, right. I guess they just never reverted him to a kid after that. Okay. Uh. So she's like, she shows up and she's like, August, you were the boy who gave me my last name. And he's like... And he somehow remembers all of that and is like, yeah, of course. So Emma kept the pages that she was about to burn and she gives them to August. And he's like, oh, I was so happy when you chose the name Swan because... Mm. Because... The show wants us to think that August is suddenly a good guy who was keeping tabs on Emma and making sure she was safe, even though that is absolutely not what was happening. Not just keeping her safe, but putting her on the path to becoming the savior. Not what was happening! Whatever. 
Whatever. I guess I guess this is the episode that introduced you become the savior by killing the previous savior. So I shouldn't be too upset about them not remembering what August was up to. And I was like, yes, your really weird take on on the ugly duckling helped me avert my own death by believing that I could change my destiny. I mean, it it did. She's right. Meanwhile, uh, it's Rumple and Belle and they're rehashing their awful relationship and talking about how they're going to get back together because it's the only way to stop their son from becoming evil. Yeah, despite their presence everywhere, this show is really kind of hard on untraditional families. Hmm. It's like, oh, look, he's evil because his parents are divorced. If only they were together, he wouldn't be evil. And I mean, that's the message I'm getting. Is that the message you're picking up? Yeah, basically, like Rumple's talking about how when they like the only way to save Gideon is to become a family again, and he lost Balefire when he didn't respect family or something, and and Bell's like, wait, so you don't want Gideon to kill Emma? And he's like. No, because his reasoning's stupid and it'll just make him a worse person like me, so... Yeah, Rumpel's in this hard position where he wants to support Gideon so that he'll become good, but the thing he's supporting him doing right now is killing Emma, so honestly, this is just a really bad plan on Rumpel's part. Mm. So, they're having this conversation about how... Belle understands Rumpel's point of view more now that she has a child who doesn't love her or is evil or something. And she thinks that maybe if they work together, they can save him. And she's sorry she didn't believe him when he said that he wasn't going to use the Shears of Fate after all. Even though he just changed his mind at the last second, it's... uh... It's not like she was projecting a motivation onto him that he didn't have. He just changed his mind at the last second. That doesn't make him good. So, Rumple says if they can't save their son, then war is coming to Storybrooke. And we cut to Gideon angrily storming into the clock tower and then blowing the clock open. Yeah, because that's what all the big bad villains have to do. Remember when Zelina threw Regina through the clock tower? Yes, I do. That was much better than this. So, I feel like I liked this episode more before we talked about it a whole bunch. Because a lot of it is spent on characters we don't particularly like or care about. Well, I think I think it's more enjoyable to watch than talk about because there are so many fun moments in it. But the storyline of this episode is bad. Yes. Yes, it is. The whole Gideon thing is... Bad. I was going to say we've seen this done better in other shows, but we've seen this. It's just plain we've seen this done in other shows and it's never good. Nope. Nope. Sure is not. In fact, um, can I segue like immediately into recommendations right now? Sure. Okay. This is so painfully stupid that I'm actually going to recommend rather than this that you watch the Chris episodes of Charmed. Those are better than this. That is all. Unless, what do you what do you got? Uh, well, I was going to recommend, in a very similar vein, uh, the episode, uh, the opener of season, I think four of Angel, the episode where 
Wesley rescues Angel from the underwater prison Connor trapped him in. And it's basically all of Angel Investigations yelling at Connor for being a little shit. Yeah, and then just in your head you can pretend that's people yelling at Gideon. Yeah. Or or just enjoy the yelling at Connor. Because, God, Connor sucks. The weird thing is, alternatively, alternatively, you can read the uh, arc of the Faith and Angel comics where they go to Kortoth with Connor. See, that is... That's much better than any of the Connor stuff they did on the show. It's legitimately good, and I hate saying this, but the Angel and Faith comics did such a good job with Connor. I was like, Connor's a great character. I don't remember why I didn't like him. And then I went back and watched the Angel episodes he was in, and I was like, oh. Oh. So, Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner. Honest to God, the only thing that stood out to me was Belle's really fun pinstripe suit. Okay, yes, it was, it was really cute. And I have to say, even though I know it existed to be a character beat, to show, like, a high-tea dresses and flowers princess and therefore doesn't match the Emma we know and love, I really do like her long white ermine cape. Like, yeah, I would kind of want to wear it around. But, I mean, and it, it, it does its character thing of highlighting a princess who cannot take care of herself. But also, I think it's pretty. Yeah. So I think that'll about do it for this week. I think that is it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to become one of those supporters, you could go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke.